Hey, I'm going to do the intro. All right. All right. Let's, yeah, let's all get, oh, we need a sync clap. Let's sync. Ready? No. What, were we counting? <laughs> Just everyone do it whenever they feel like it. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. All right. Three, two, one. Jesus Christ was born today. Jesus Christ. Ho, 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 listeners. Welcome to We Both Podcast Together, The Hazards of Loving the Decemberists. I'm your host, Pete Wissinger. I am also your host, Matt Esner. And we are joined once again, because the fans demanded it, by Mason Redman. Mason, thanks for coming back. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Merry Merry Christmas. This is our Christmas episode. This is our Christmas episode. I don't know if you picked up on that from... From Pete's intro, I I thought that might be the case, but it's good to have <laughs> that confirmed. Yeah, yeah, we haven't pivoted. Like that's not normal. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is our Christmas episode. I know you guys are like, man, I can't. It just won't feel like the holidays without an episode of we both to listen to. I mean, that's that's how I feel for sure. I mean, right. It's 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 just it's not it's not Christmas without uh, an episode of this podcast that we started. Eight months ago. Today, uh, we are going to do a couple different things. We're going to talk about Christmas songs associated with the Decemberists. And then we're going to take a little peek at a side project. Because as we've said several times on the show, uh, we're done with the Decemberists' music as it exists. Well, there's just no more, right? Right. So we're doing our detours. Our last episode was about Colin Malloy's college band Tarkio. Today will be about a side project that includes everyone in the band except Colin. Uh, and that's it's called like, Black Prairie. It's like the altar bridge of, of Decemberists bands. That means nothing to me. All right. For those who, for those who know what it means, you guys. Wait, you guys is that the it. band with all the people from Creed in it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But not the guy from Creed, it's, the lead singer? Yeah, it's the band that... that Everyone in Creed made without Scott Stapp. So are they good? But it, like his voice is Creed. Like what? That's what happens. Like you, you just uh, feel like you need to make a project without your lead singer, and then you, you do that. So do we want to do Christmas first or Black Prairie first? I feel like we should talk about Creed for about ten more minutes. I like, <laughs> honestly, I feel like the, we got Matt. The ball name rolling. one Alter Bridge song. Name one Alter Bridge song. The one that goes, baby. Is that a real song? I thought you said they didn't have the same lead singer. Yeah, no, that would be more like a... <laughs> Mason, you want to get your Scott Stepp impression? I, no, record? I really don't. Uh, not after that, no. I can't follow, follow that. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to follow. After two, just well executed. No, no. Which one's more hated at this point? Nickelback, I assume, more so than Creed? I don't... Well, because Creed's just been... for Creed has been forgotten. Yeah. Right? I didn't right. remember them until just now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Although I actually know Creed songs. I don't think I know any Nickelback songs. You know Nickelback songs. Yeah, sadly, I can't say that. You're just, <laughs> you're playing, you're, you're playing. Did cool Nickelback do uh, With Arms Wide Open? Was that the? No, that was Creed. That was Creed. Oh, oh, oh no, Nickelback did the, the Can You Take Me Higher. Was that one? That I one's think Nickelback? that's Creed also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, he's out on a, in a rain jacket or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the, I think we're still at Creed. Yeah, is Creed a Christian band? I think initially that's what they were billed as, but like, but Alter Bridge seems even more Christian. 
Uh, I mean, the name kind of does. I don't really know. Although, what is an altar bridge? You got me. Just like only a slightly better name than Creed, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I actually have some some Decemberist related things to talk about before we get into the actual songs of this episode. Oh, that's good. Yeah, pat it out. Good. First things first. This past week, I bought tickets to a virtual Colin Malloy concert. Nice. And it was my first time doing one of these like COVID live stream shows. Uh, and it was good. It was a 90 minute set. Um, just him. Uh, and, uh, it was a good mix of songs from the December's entire catalog. Like all acoustic set. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he had a guitar, a 12 string guitar and a bazooki. Pulled out the harmonica a couple times, Matt. You'd be happy to hear. Sure. Yeah. Um, did he drop any Tark? Did he throw some Tark down in there? There was no Tark. Uh, yeah. So as far as like some notable stuff that was on there. Uh, he did two covers. He did an R.E.M. cover, which I didn't really know the song, so I'm not an R.E.M. fan. But then he also did Boy with the Thorn in His Side, which is a Smiths song, which I thought was really good. Um, some deeper cuts he played. He played Record Year for Rainfall. Oh, nice. Um, he played Wrong Year. Okay. Which I was not expecting yeah, to hear. That's a weird, weird Um Otherwise, it, was, it wasn't necessarily. Oh, he played Bachelor and the Bride. Really? Yeah. That's a deep cut. Right. Um, but it was a good show. Um, he talked a lot between the songs. Um, he played a new song he wrote during COVID uh, based on the Hillary Mantel book, Mirror in the Light, called William Fitzwilliam, about one of the characters. Yeah, that seems like a December song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was good. Nice. Um, I did, he did play Lake Song, but it was actually better just him. Okay, maybe that's the key. That's, yeah, that's that's what. And he opened it with trick. beginning song. That's a good one. Yeah, so it was a good it was a good little show. My other bit of December news is that my wife was watching a Netflix Christmas TV show today. I feel like Netflix is trying to be the new hallmark for like holiday rom coms. Yeah, like they're putting out a lot of holiday rom com material. Sure. Yeah. And you said this was a TV show. Yeah, so they have a holiday TV show called Dash and Lily. And he the guy goes to a bookstore in New York in the first episode, and playing in the bookstore is Ophilomena. Nice. It's a good cut. Yeah. Which I guess maybe if it, you just do the instrumentals could be kind of Christmassy. I mean, sure. I think it's just a great track. It should be a Christmas song. Everyone should listen to it on Christmas Day, <laughs> <laughs> surrounded by their loved ones. Yeah. Just and explain it. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. talk about it. Make sure people get what it's what is going on. It is giving. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, though, that's my December's related jibba jabba. Hey, that's great. That's way more than I have. Colin did talk about hopefully going on tour for their now twenty first anniversary tour next summer. Cool. Why don't they? I mean, they should be putting out an album. Honestly, like they've been sitting around. I assume they've been writing songs. You'd think every band would have material right. written to be recorded after all 2021 this. 2021 should just be like just a <laughs> fucking explosion of cool music. Right. How many bad movies about the pandemic do you think are going to come out? Oh, well. A lot, right? I mean, maybe. I think there's already been a couple. Michael Bay yeah. made one already that yeah, they're I think talking he's already pretty poorly <laughs> about. I know they're already doing it on like uh, Grey's Anatomy. 
Well, that, that's what I, I've been watching Superstore this weekend, and I wonder how dated a couple of years from now this season's going to seem with all pandemic stuff. Is there, Are they doing pandemic stuff they on Superstore? Did, yeah, the whole time. Hmm. NBC has the whole, like, pandemic sitcom, too, though, right? Where it's like everyone's uh, everyone's isolated and the whole thing takes place over Zoom? Or has it been canceled already? That sounds awful. I don't know. It, I never heard it of it. Sounds unwatchable. It just sounds I, like, is it more unwatchable than the Parks and Rec Zoom pandemic oh, special? Or? Oh. I didn't watch that. Ooh. But it was great? No. <laughs> I'm not saying it was unwatchable. I made it to the end, but it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't good. But uh, speaking of Parks and Rec, did you guys know there's an episode of Parks and Rec that the Decemberists appear on? What the shit? We do. We need to do a live commentary for that episode. It's gonna happen we, one day. We need to make because that episode needs a commentary track. Yeah. Specifically, you guys talk about that every episode or just the ones I'm on. I don't think it's uh, ever come up before. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I just watched it for the first time. The whole uh, show? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, I don't know. Do you guys want to get started with you know? Yeah. Talking sure, about so stuff? since sure, let's start with this, the Christmas stuff. Yeah. So so. Uh, you know, it's Christmas coming up and the Decemberists have, uh, recorded a couple Christmas tracks, uh, as a band and the first, both covers, a, both covers. Yeah. No one. So are these both, these are the only tr- Christmas tracks they've recorded. As far as we know, this is all their released Christmas material right. though. But this is, this is all the exclusively Christmas material that they have put out. And the first one we're going to talk about is from a, uh, a live in studio set that they did. Uh, and it's called Please Daddy, Don't Get Drunk This Christmas. Please, Daddy, don't get drunk this Christmas. I don't want to see my mom cry. Got a, a country western number here. This is a cover of a John Denver song, uh, which was actually written by or co written by. Two people who would later go on to form the Starland Vocal Band and and write and perform Afternoon Delight. So there's wow. a little, little bit of trivia for you. Wait, this was written by the same people who wrote Afternoon Delight? It was, yeah. There's way less sexual overtones. Yeah, well, I think uh, they also no, wrote, This is a dark song. It's pretty dark, yeah. I mean, I think they worked with John Denver for a while because I think they also co-wrote uh, Country Road, Take Me Home. So, you know, there, How did that song become like a meme? How did it become a meme? Yeah, like that song is like big. I think it's just a good song. What do you, I don't understand what you're asking. It gets like played at every blues game. Oh, does it? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't realize you went to a lot of blues games. This is a, this is a big revelation to, uh, to find out I his just way. been the one blues game he I went to and they played it. I, I've, I've never been to a blues game. Okay. So, but they play it at blues so games. So maybe what you're saying yes. is... Yeah, you don't know that they play this at Blues Games. Anyway, this song seems to really just be about, from the perspective of a child, not wanting their dad to make their mom cry because he's drunk on Christmas like he did last year. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, the title pretty much says it all. Like, uh, that's all you need to know. It doesn't I like read better. through the lyrics to be like, is there more to this? And it's like, nope. It's, Dad came home drunk and passed out under the tree and mom cried. Literally the first line of the song is, please, Daddy, don't get drunk this Christmas. And that's it doesn't get better like for the no, kid. No, I'm glad. Oh, okay. I didn't thought you meant the song, but still, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, get this line in the, in the second verse, right? It says here, uh, 
Mama smiled and looked outside the window. She told me, son, you better go upstairs. Then you laughed and hollered Merry Christmas. And I turned around and saw my mama's tears. Why is she smiling and crying? The heart is a, it's a complicated organ, my friend. Like Love is a, it's a tricky business. Hmm. This doesn't seem like a happy household. Uh, no, I don't. I think you're. I think you might be onto something. <laughs> Which you know, I don't. I don't listen to a lot of John Denver stuff, but I didn't realize he got this dark. I think I country only, music is generally sad, though. Sure, but you know, if you think of what John Denver's most popular songs are, you got "Country Road Take Me Home," which is apparently the anthem of the St. Louis Blues, a <laughs> uh, very happy one. And then, then what's the other one everyone likes? Uh, uh, all right, maybe that's the only one I know. So based on the other one, the one other John Denver song I know, pretty upbeat um, guy. Uh, I'm looking at other John Denver songs. Leaving on a jet plane. Okay, yeah, he wrote that. Bittersweet. Apparently, what else do we got here? Some of this sounds pretty sad. <laughs> good stuff. Annie's Annie's song. Good Rocky content. Mountain High. Yeah, oh, Rocky Mountain go. High. That's the other one. That's a happy That's a one, beat. right? Yeah. Unless it's okay. like one of those secret, like secretly sad ones, like uh, <laughs> Born in the USA, where it's like secretly about sad stuff. Anyway, do you like the song, guys? Do you like this uh, this track? Mason, Not really. I'm, I'm guessing, yeah. I mean, if I was listening to Christmas music and this song came on, I would skip to the next song on mm. the playlist. I d- it's one of three songs that. Out of three songs about Christmas, it's the one I did not add to my Christmas playlist. <laughs> so. yeah, I agree. The next two we're talking about are better. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I mean, I like it because it's a Decemberists uh, version of a song. But like, this is a level of country western that does not sound authentic from Colin. Like, oh yeah, he's not pulling it off. You no. know, actually, there's a really good version of this by Alan Jackson, which I recommend uh, seeking out. Matt's a big Alan Jackson fan. I like Alan Jackson well enough. I mean, he's never done me wrong. But yeah, this seems like he's like he's like wearing a cheesy cowboy outfit singing this song. Like it, it's that's too tongue in cheek. Maybe would say. it's like a hat on a hat with this song. Yeah, uh, and it's a weird cover. Like it's a weird. It's weird that they of all the songs that they could have covered, and they like they had never done a Christmas song before. Really haven't done a lot since. And this is like their entry. It ended up getting put on a, uh, a compilation album. Um, so this was originally recorded for the Sony Connect uh, platform. It was a music platform. Sony tried to have their own music platform? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think it was Sony. Hmm. Uh, but And then after it was recorded, it was later on a alt-rock Christmas album that was, you know, okay. Had a decent number of uh, like indie and alt bands on it. But that the the Christmas compilation that it was put on also featured Angel Won't You Call Me, which is weird. So there's two December songs on this alt rock Christmas album. Matt's all time favorite December song. It's a good one. Number one, you said. Yeah, I stick by that. Um Yeah, this song like this seems like a weird country version of like I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Right. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Which is another annoying song. Okay. Matt, did you just specifically pull a Christmas tree into frame I on for- our Zoom call? Yeah, I forgot that you couldn't so- <laughs> see it, just to make it a little bit more festive. The people at home are going to love it. Well, I mean, I feel L- like maybe... Listening to you having a Christmas tree in front of you. I think when you when you guys see it, I think it's going to help you get more into the spirit. That's true. I'm already there. I'm already I like this song a little bit better now. Turned on 100% Christmas mode at this point, so... yeah. 
Uh, let's go ahead and move on. I think we've said okay. all we need to say about this. <laughs> so track two is another cover, and it's called Jesus Christ. Is this like a cover of like an old standard? This is a, no, this is a, uh, a cover by a band called Big Star, which I feel like is one of those like. Oh, this is a Big Star? Song? Yeah, I feel like. They're like a, a power pop band. Yeah, I think Big Star is like one of those indie bands, indie bands kind of thing. Like, I think it's like, they, Big Star didn't really like break out anywhere, but I think like a lot of like musicians really like Big Star. I like Big Star. I'm I, not a musician. I'd never heard of them before. I, this sounds familiar, but I'm not. Anyway, I really liked this song. Yeah, I agree. That's because, like, it, I think it's a tribute to the song that I thought this could have been like an old Christmas standard. It's good. I mean, and it, it's it's not super different from the original. The original is good too. Um, but it's I don't know. I think like this is a lot more in the Decemberists' wheelhouse than the previous entry. Um, it does. It feels though that they put a little bit of that sort of like Americana in this, though. Sure, I would say maybe. I think my favorite thing about this song though is that it puts the Christ back in Christmas. Right. Yeah. Like I only like Jesus Christmas songs. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because like he's the reason for the season. So no Michael Bublé for you, eh? Only if he's singing about that sweet little baby Jesus. I got you. I don't think he does, actually. Does Michael Bublé sing Away in a Manger? I think he only <laughs> sings non... non, non, like non secular, secular. Secular. Really? That's the word I'm looking for. Um, I'm, I'm joking, by the way, about only liking Jesus. Okay, he's, he's not. Everyone that's listening, he's not. He's not. He loves Jesus and the Bible. <laughs> I don't. I don't love Jesus. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> You're sending this podcast to your mother when we get done recording. <laughs> Do not. Please. Actually, that would be terrible. If Which part of this would have said her, though? Is the, the Michael I'm Buble part. She, oh, okay. <laughs> like, knowing that Michael Buble is not Christian would break her little heart. Wow. Anyway, this is a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. It's got some. It's got some nice like honky tonk piano in it, which I mm-hmm. really like. But this is lyrically, this is just a song about Jesus being born. Uh, it also has a little bit of a, a tiny bit of the uh, "Joy to the World" chorus in there. I believe is snuck in. It's kind of a, a nice little. The yeah, the three dog night, the three dog night song. The, no, no, the one about uh, Jesus Christ, Jeremiah, the, the bullfrog. N- no, no. I don't think any of my bits are landing tonight. This, this is okay. going to be great for you to edit. It's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, it's, it's all good. I think you, when your bits go bad, it's good for us because then I can make fun of you. But when, I, when my bits tank, which happens a lot, it's just, <laughs> it just, it dead just air. dies. Yeah. Dead air. There's no recovering. There's no way to add on to it. It's just an empty void. But this feels like, doesn't this feel like something you could sing at church? Yeah. I mean, like, if you went to a cool oh, church. I think so, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if you went to a cool church, one of those cool... Like, no, this is one of those you could pull off as something you came up with in your. <laughs> yeah, it's like I wrote a song. They would likely, yeah, say that. Come up with this last night. If your church is cool enough to let you play the song, they're definitely not cool enough to know that it's a cover. Right? No, they're. It's if in that, that makes any sense. Yeah, like they they're the ones who probably told you that Michael Bublé doesn't have any Christmas songs. Well, about that Jesus. could be. I don't know. Like that they for know myself. that they would know that there. I gotta say, <laughs> I love a good Michael Bublé Christmas. Song. Oh, I do too. I mean, yeah. that guy's got that old school charm. Hey, he's 
He's got that crooner, he that may, crooner voice. He may only have one thing, but that's it. <laughs> he d- he's this got is it. The perfect time of year for it. <laughs> I, right. He's also apparently pretty good at hockey. Because he's Canadian, he's Canadian, he's Canadian, (laughs) and the only reason he became a professional singer is because he couldn't hack it as a professional hockey player. Is that the? Is that true? Yeah, it's the narrative. Everyone knows that. Just like everyone knows that Jason Sudeikis was trying to be a member of the Blue Man Group, but couldn't hack it, so he became a comedian. Is that also true? Yes. Are either of those things true? (laughs) I mean, the Jason Sudeikis one is a hundred percent true. Speaking of Canadians, the other one. Why did you come up with that? (laughs) that, I think that's like that's like probably true. I assume all Canadian men, like at one point, wanted to be a professional hockey player. Kind of like how Jeff Tweedy was going to be an MMA fighter and just couldn't cut it. So that's why he started Wilco. Yeah, because everyone from uh, central Illinois, like south central Illinois, wants to be an MMA fighter. Yeah. Guys, I'm serious about the Jason Sudeikis team. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a drummer. Like, he's a, he's a musician. He plays the mm. drums. Speaking of, like, everyone in Canada playing hockey, have you guys ever watched Letterkenny? I have. Like everyone plays hockey in Letterkenny. Yeah, uh, you have not watched it, Matt. I've seen an episode, hmm. and you didn't. I like think it. that I, I, I'm this at this place with that show where like I hated it, and then all of a sudden I found it entertaining, and then it plateaued pretty yeah. quickly. There's a bit of a buy-in uh, for it. Yeah, and if you're not ready to make that commitment, it's going to be tough. The whole show is just that these people talk funny. Yeah, kind like of. that's the whole show. Kind There's of. nothing the for- else yeah, to it. The format of the show is very weird. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's similar to It's Always Sunny, but with less plot, no, from what I can tell. It's not similar to Sunny. Yeah. It's definitely less plot. Because it's like a, it's like a group of like people who don't really have anything going on. Well, but Sunny actually is like, I think Sunny's more sort of like situational and provocative, where this show is just like people hanging out. Sure. Again, I've only seen one episode, so I, I'm come, speaking from a place of profound ignorance. <laughs> if there's ever a... I would just went back and forth like with uh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen to that was hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to keep watching it a little while. I longer. find parts of it aggressively unfunny yeah. and then other parts of it hilarious. If I ever show anybody just a clip of that show, it's always the clip of them tossing the ball back and forth in season one and talking about their sexual uh, experiences. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. But you're never going to show them anything of like the skids. No, no. Or Gale. And these now, are parts of the show that I find very unfunny. And sometimes just uncomfortable, especially Gale. I don't really know. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. no, I don't know what they're going for there. No. It doesn't make any sense, but. Yeah. How does it compare to Trailer Park Boys? Is it similar? I assume they're I've back, never watched they're Trailer Park the same Boys. Thing. I made it a ways into. Uh, I, I like it better. I couldn't get into Trailer Park Boys. Trailer Park Boys has like Netflix has been on a crusade to get me to watch Trailer Park Boys since I got a subscription yeah. to it. And I think I, there's I've maybe just a it. flaw in their algorithm somewhere that suggests that to everyone. Every yeah, there, it must be. It must be something broken with the system. But it's like there's these weird obscure Canadian TV shows that Netflix and Hulu both seem somewhere in there. To think I'm into. It, it equates the Stranger th- Things preference to you might like Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, there's got to be some crossover there. I'm really sorry I created this uh, this overlap. By the way, is Stranger Things a Christmas show? Uh, there's I Christmas think this lights next in the first season. Might be. It's Christmas in season one, right? Doesn't it? The season one ends with Christmas. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. I thought that no, I thought it was season two. Because oh wait, which is the one that ends with a dance? And they're season two ends with the dance. Isn't that a Christmas? Season dance? two starts with Halloween, doesn't it? 
season so are, are, two maybe, starts with maybe Halloween. both seasons are Christmas seasons. It's this Christmas show. It, I mean, it's possible. It's, I don't really want to watch it again to reaffirm or deny whether it's a Christmas show, but I'll take your hmm. word for it. I think it's a Christmas show. Do you know what? Do you know what thing? So we're talking about Christmas and whether something categorizes as Christmas. Do you think that people are always going to think it's funny to say Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Um, I think yeah. I think people are going to think it's a hot take. Yeah, like oh, you know what my favorite Christmas movie is? Die Hard. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. It's like we get it. Okay, you know, like you know what my favorite Christmas no. movie is The Passion Die Hard of the Christ. Two. Wait, ah. what'd you say? The Passion <laughs> you of the Christ. That's an Easter movie. I mean, he was born, though, hmm. on Christmas Day. So that, any movie about Jesus is a Christmas movie? Yeah, why wouldn't that's it That's at least a hot take that's not going to catch you on. So my favorite Christmas movie is uh, is The Robe. The Robe is my favorite Christmas sure. movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check Actually, it out. Dogma. Last Temptation of Christ. Christmas yeah. movie. See, the problem is I like to watch Die Hard during Christmas because of the beginning songs and end songs. No, and I mean, be, I think because it's, it's a fine. good movie, but I'm not against not it because I just think movie. that, that just... people just tend to tend to think that they're being funny by by calling it a Christmas movie. Where like, no one's gonna like fight you about it. No yeah. one's like, isn't Gremlins a Christmas movie? Yeah, I tried to rewatch that a couple years ago. Not that I couldn't do it really. You know, the thing about Gremlins is there's not much there. Like, there's some really good scares early on, but like once the Gremlins show up, like I was surprised how little time that they're like it may be, i think it's less than half the movie they're fighting gremlins which is weird because that's the whole thing but like so much of the movie is building up to them showing up and then once they do it's scary but there's not i'd like lot. to make a prediction i predict we're not actually going to talk about black Perry tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no it's gonna happen because because the next song our next christmas next song is song, our bridge it's the bridge that's that's how this became a black Perry christmas episode uh, so the next song is Everybody's Waiting for the Man with the Bag by Black Prairie and Sally Ford. So, uh, this is a cover, right? It is a cover. Uh, uh, who does the original? Like, I've heard this song. It's like a standard. It's like yeah, an old jazz This is an old one here. It's yeah. an old one. So, would you like to know a little bit about this album that this appears on? Sure. Because it's relevant to our, to our interests here. Uh, so, in 2012, Chris Funk, who you might know, as the guitar player from the Decemberists, produced a Christmas album called Holiday's Rule. And it's just like a big like indie and non-indie Christmas compilation, which I mean it features it's a it's like it's kind of a murderer's row here. Like it's like a crazy bag of talent on this uh on this record. You got the Shins, you got uh Paul McCartney, you got Calexico, uh Fun. You guys remember Fun, that band? I do. With the period at the end of the name? Yeah. It's like fun. Do they, are they still a thing? I don't know, but they're I on enjoyed, this album. I enjoyed a couple of their albums. Yeah, 
Yeah, they were they were they were a hot hot deal. For a lot of commercials uh, but, there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Chris Funk co-produced this album, um, and uh, got his band at the time, Black Prairie, to perform a song. Yeah, why didn't he get Colin to put a song on here? That's a that is a good question. Uh, we'll see. So 2012 was that was that during the hiatus? I think it might have been during the hiatus. Like when Colin was dead to everyone else in the band, they were like, "Colin, we need paychecks, you bastard." <laughs> uh, I think I think they were just they were doing Black Prairie stuff, so it just felt like a natural fit to do a Black Prairie song. He might have suggested uh, a song like the first one on this playlist. <laughs> and they, they said, they kinda, kinda, I, don't "I don't know." know. Well, and, and it's kind of interesting the the album or the song Jesus Christ uh, from you know the, the previous track with us too is from a sequel album to this to this compilation called Holidays Holidays Rule Volume Two, hmm. uh, which was not produced by Chris Funk, and I don't even think it was put out by the same uh, by the same uh, record company. So I think it was like one of those fake sequels, like Trolls Two, isn't really a sequel to Trolls. But anyway. Uh, everybody is waiting for the man with a bag is a, it's a fun little holiday standard, which features, uh, a guest performance by fellow Portland musician, Sally Ford, uh, who has a, who has a couple really good albums in her own right. Uh, I recommend her first band. I don't know if it's first band, but she has a band called, uh, Sally Ford and the sound outside has some really cool, like rockabilly, uh, songs on there. It's worth checking out. It's a little, uh, it's a little freebie. Everybody, a little free uh, recommendation. So I thought you might be interested. This song was written in 1950 by Irving Taylor, Dudley Brooks, and Hal Stanley, but was made popular by K Star and has been regularly on the Billboard's list of most popular Christmas songs in the early 1950s. So, Pete, do you remember earlier when you said that we might be interested in to, to know that those things that you just said? Do you remember that? I was interested. You were right. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I just, I <laughs> that was great. That was, so I actually like this is a good Christmas song in general. Yeah, it's fun. I, I really, I really enjoyed this one. It was a the like the intro to this song. It's like, oh my god, not another one like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they Matt's do a fake really, out on the intro. Yeah, yeah, Matt's really screwed me here. <laughs> the first time I listened to this playlist was on a run. I was like, oh, I'm never gonna make it to the end of this. <laughs> So. And then it picked up, and it's like, okay, I know this song, and it's, it's a good song, honestly. It's a very good... I, it's I a good cover. Know. Yeah. I've enjoyed um, this the so most of the three Christmas I will say songs. this opens with this sort of, like, weird, sort of, like, moody, dark kind of version of the melody, um, which is more in line with Black Prairie as a band. And then it just turns into basically like a pretty straight rendition of the song, but with like some of their instruments. Like I think there's some accordion and some banjo and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's a jaunty holiday favorite, but this time with a sort of moody intro. Yeah. Which if they'd done a whole cover in that style. Boy, that would suck. (laughs) It would have been interesting, but I don't think I would have ever listened to it all the way through. Yeah, why would you do that? Um, the lyrics of this song are silly. Have you guys ever paid attention to the lyrics of this song? I mean, not really. It is kind of funny that they just refer to Santa as the man with the bag. Like, I feel like the bag is not the thing you most associate with Santa. Right? They also call him Mr. Like, Kringle. 
Yeah, that's fair. Where's the whole Chris Kringle thing come from? You got that Wikipedia page handy, Matt? I don't, but I'm going to say Germany. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there and give and chalk it up to the Germans. Yeah. Sure. But everybody's waiting for the man with the bag. Yeah. They're all congregating, waiting right. for the man with the bag. Yeah, it's a it's a Christmas song. I don't think we need to really unpack this one too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're gonna do a deep lyrical analysis. Uh, I think Buble would song. sing this one. He probably does. <laughs> I think oh, he probably. There's gotta be a Buble. I'm going to look right. up right now. Since, yeah. we're, since we're like <laughs> opening up all of these sort of like holiday pop culture hot take chestnuts, why are people still covering Baby It's Cold Outside? Like, why is that still happening? You know, like, it's... The ultimate it's, version has yet to be, un- be uncovered. <laughs> we're still trying? Uh, like, someone's going to crack it? Somebody's not nailed it 100% yet. I there's, don't think it's there. There's a version of, of that on this, on the uh, Holidays Rule album with, uh, it's, it's, um... Rufus Wainwright and someone else, but like even when you're having a gay man sing the sexual predator part, like it's still, it's still not acceptable. Like it's still not an okay thing to talk about. I mean, uh, first of all, I didn't grow up hearing that song. Well, I think Elf really, really broke it. Yep. Did okay. this Elf was what made it into a Christmas song? No, it was around before then. No, I, mean, yeah, I feel like I remember, Martin, but it's not. It's not intentionally Christmassy. Someone, I guess. Like it's it, it's. Although I guess not every Christmas song is like Christmassy, right? Only the only the good ones. I feel like it was always kind of a classic song, but I'm not really sure at what point it became like in the consciousness. It's more of, of a date rape song, really. But I mean, like, and and that's the thing. Yeah, but that like, category is so small. It's it's small, like date rape Christmas song. It's not. A it's it's, it's kind of like playing on like old, like, um. Stereotypes, right? Sure, sure. I'm not excusing the content of the song, right? I'm just saying, like, the, I think the, a lot of that kind of talk was common in entertainment whenever it was written. Yeah, right, right. Like playing hard to get, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, right. so you and don't like, like the song overall, or or you just don't like the tone or meaning yeah, he, of the song. He doesn't like the song, but he just likes the message. Like that, he he <laughs> objects to it musically. <laughs> But agrees it's, it's the, the musical version of uh, speaking of I guess ever seen it's always sunny but there's a part where Dennis talks about getting girls into a situation and how uh you know he wants to get girls out on a boat cuz they they could say no but they won't because of the implication <laughs> yeah it's a and musical it, it version seems like of the, the christmas that version like a of that thing to say I don't <laughs> yeah but he, <laughs> he never yeah it's I, I, it's a classic moment. Do you know that shows the longest running live action sitcom ever? Yeah, they're gonna like make like four more seasons of it at least. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. I saw that. At this point, yeah. I'm never gonna catch up, so I'm not even gonna try. Yeah. I am caught up. That's insane. yeah. I went back to the first season, and I, I just don't know that I could ever put that much effort into it to get to. The- it's not as good now as it used to be. Yeah. But should we talk about Black Prairie now? So that now that we've everybody's waiting for the man with the sack. The bag, the sack, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> They're waiting. No one's waiting for the man sack, with the sack. But I believe he does have a large bag. <laughs> that no is one's our, waiting for the man with the sack. So that's our that's our excuse. That's our bridge to talk about the band Black Prairie. So the genesis of Black Prairie was Chris Funk, Jenny Connolly, and Nate Query really kind of missed playing acoustic music. Uh, the Decembers were pretty popular. Like they'd you know. 
been had like three really big albums at this point. Um, four, maybe four. Uh, let's see. First Black Fury album was two thousand seven. That was after Crane Wife, before Hazards. Yeah. So they just they wanted a, they wanted an outlet to play sort of acoustic and kind of bluegrassy music because that's that's just what they're into. Uh, you know, Chris loves playing his dobro. Um, you know, Nate likes playing his upright bass, and Jenny's just up for whatever. So they they kind of uh, started playing around with um, a violinist named Annalisa Tornfelt and a guitar player named John Newfield, and Black Prairie was born out of their sort of jamming together in various living rooms, playing sort of acoustic Americana music. And then they decided they needed a drummer, and they're like, okay, well, we'll just go with the Decemberist drummer, too. Yeah, so. we'll get there. But they're, So they, they, <laughs> they put out an album, their first album, Feast of the Hunter's Moon, was, uh, was basically an instrumental album with a couple exceptions, and uh, mostly kind of like Americana bluegrassy. Does the violin player do the vocals for the band? Yes. So Annalisa also starts singing eventually in the band. Um, and I think they all write songs, but I think like she tends to write the ones that have vocals in them. Um, and then I think eventually she just sort of became like, I mean, they all write the music, but I think eventually they become a more vocal front and center band because Annalise has a great voice. So they, I think they just wanted to lean into that. I will say reading the band's history, they've done a lot of random stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like th- they did the score to like a, a children's musical. They did the score to a children's musical and then they did a soundtrack to a book. Yeah. So yeah, so they're, they're, they're just like a band for hire. They're like, right. our children's theater needs some music or like, Hey, I wrote a book. Can you write me some music? They're just right. like, Right. Acoustic instrumentalists for hire. So the the songs we're going to talk about today are, are from their three sort of canonical albums. Like, I mean, they have they have the the soundtrack to the to the book, and they have the the um, music for the children's musical. But we're not really going to cover any of those because those are more written as you know pieces intended to be seen with other work. So uh, we're just going to cover three songs from three of their albums. Uh, today in what I can already tell is going to be the most boring part of this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it hasn't been great up to this point either, so... Yeah, we set the bar low. We set we'll, the bar we'll low. probably... We'll, I mean, you're going to hear the clips from the songs, and we're going to be like, yep, that was the song. <laughs> I mean, so. there isn't a ton to say about uh, about all the songs, but the first one we're going to talk about is is the track Across the Black Prairie. track from their first album feast of the hunter's moon and it is a just a cool dark kind of like i don't know moody instrumental piece that features I feel like this is this is like their thesis statement yeah i mean yeah this like, is this is what they set out to be right and this is the first track first album and it's got the name of the band in the title right i mean it's you it's can't a, go wrong there right, <laughs> right. They're telling you something, and what they're telling you is that they're going to have a lot We're of like, do some slide dark, guitar. moody bluegrass. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, as, I mean, the, it works. as the uh, curator of this playlist, are these your personal favorites or just songs you think best? Uh, uh, I mean, I showcase think, there. 
I think both. It, that's a cop-out answer. But, like, these are my favorite tracks, and these are what I associate the band with. Um, so what this track reminds me of is some of the, like, Americana Yo-Yo Ma albums I've listened to. What this track reminds me of is, like, every piece of, like, prestige television I ever want to watch. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, want the this, soundtrack. <laughs> it, I want this to be playing in every show I watch on television. Where like This is definitely, like, a, a, a gritty, uh, like, rural America crime show. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's my bag. But I mean, so yeah, not a, a ton to say about the song, but I will say it bleeds very nicely into the, f- the next track, Red Rocking Chair. I is that track two on that album? It is track two on this album. Wow. As I was listening uh, to it, I thought, this is good. <laughs> you know what it could use? <laughs> Lyrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so then the is... lyrics, then the track two started. I thought, I don't know. I think I'd go back. Uh, I'd go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it does. When you listen to the back to back, it sounds just like Red Rocking Chair has an extended intro. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I thought it was. I was running. I was like, this is the longest damn song I've ever heard. <laughs> and then the lyrics start. I was like, holy crap! Yeah. I hope all their songs aren't eight minutes long. <laughs> uh, so this is actually a, like a traditional bluegrass song uh red rock and chair it's very different from any other version i could find though like it's usually a little bit more upbeat a little a little faster um and it's and the lyrics are different basically every version i found of it uh but i would say probably the most famous uh version of the song uh to me before i heard this this is this was actually the first uh black prairie song i heard incidentally um one of my friends was like, hey, you should check out this song. And then I did, and I liked it. Uh, but anyway, so this song was used, not this version, uh, but a, ver- a, a version of the song was used in the Wilco documentary, I Am Trying to Break Your Heart, uh, during the scene where Jeff Tweedy has a panic attack or an anxiety attack and throws up in the bathroom while uh, Jay, whatever, whichever Jay died, Jay Bennett, I think, while Jay Bennett is like, having a sort of creative argument with, with Jeff. Is that worth watching? Incident? Yeah, I don't think I know that documentary well enough to... Uh, uh, yeah, the documentary is amazing. Um, I see it here and there. I just never decide to watch it. Yeah, it's great. Um, this is actually the only Black Prairie album I listened to when it came out. Oh, really? Um, because, like, you know, 2010, I was, like, you know, height of my Decemberist fandom. And this is like, oh, cool, like more music from the other people in Decemberist. And I listened to it like once or twice through and I was like, this is like music to leave on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, Cause no. this is, I think one of the only songs that actually has lyrics on that first album. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's not a ton on this first album that have lyrics. And the first album in general is more of this kind of like slow, dark, moody bluegrass. Right. Generally. Without percussion. There's no percussion. Yeah. There's no percussion and there's no like pop sensibility. Right. It was sort of a stylistic experiment, it seems. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, it was recorded, like, kind of uh, in, a, in a collective kind of, like, mishmash. So I don't know if there was, like, a ton of deliberate, like, in terms of, in terms of, like, let's make it sound like this. I think it was just, like, this is what they felt like playing. 
Uh, this album was produced by Tucker Martin, who also produced Crane Wife and Hazards of Love. Literally everyone. I, I'm surprised, like, Carson Ellis isn't somehow involved, too. It just seems weird. <laughs> like, just, that, like, I would accept Colin. Everyone like, this is just in a big the middle orbit. finger to Colin. <laughs> Except for Colin's there. <laughs> I bet he wanted. I bet he wanted to be in this, and they and they were like, no. And I'm guessing while they were recording it, he kept showing up and being like, oh, what? I have my guitar in the car, and they were just like, no, get out of here. Do you think he's listened to any uh, the Blackberry albums? He probably fucking hates it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna nothing. I'm not gonna say something. What, what were we gonna say? I mean, I can say it because I'm just going to edit it out, but I imagine he just, like, <laughs> listens to it while masturbating, like, every oh night. <laughs> I'm gonna put the, I'm going to put the uncut recordings out there, Matt. Yeah, why would you edit that out? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is going to – if you don't put it on there. But you're going to have to – just bleep it. Put it. Keep it in there and bleep it, and people will, will wonder what you said. He's probably listening well. to this right now, so uh, – Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> – I have to say, to be when fair. he was – when I was listening to that uh, or watching that live stream – he was like, this song was recently featured in a podcast. And like for a, a half a millisecond, I was like, is, is this happening? Is this? Did he name drop the podcast? It was some it was uh Rocks in a Box, and it was some podcast about the like labor dispute that Rocks mm. in the Box is about. Well, it's a shame he just didn't leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. And you could have just forever thought that yeah, might have been what he was, was like, talking about. There's a podcast with this song in it. Good luck finding it. <laughs> Yeah, say I was going to tell you about it, but they talk about me <laughs> masturbating to Black Prairie, so I don't. Uh, there's uh, there's a whole podcast about my band I want to recommend you listen to, but they make a nine eleven joke on like the first episode, so. Uh, but not this episode. Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, true. just about uh, Jesus Christ oh, a coming? little bit there, but uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, this first album is to me something you would leave on in the background. Then they came up with another album. <laughs> uh, so their second album, uh, I'm going to look up the name because it doesn't fit on my screen. Uh, it's called A Tear. Is it Tear in the Eye or Tear in the I Eye? I think it's probably think? A, a tear if it's in the eye. Yeah. So A Tear in the Eye is a Wound in the Heart, which sounds like a Decemberist uh, something. It sounds like it would be a Decemberist thing, but it, it's not. It's a Black Prairie album. Uh, and it came out in 2011, so just a, a few years after their first their first album drop, they they were at it again uh, with I would say a, a much more um, approachable album. Yeah, this sounds like like they could have like opened for the Avett Brothers or opened for Nickel Creek with the music on this yeah. album. Yeah, it's very much like sort of uh, Amer- like pop Americana kind of or like you know. The it's first song here is way more approachable right out the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they're 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 playing like pop songs with lyrics that have country and bluegrass instrumentation. So the first song we're listening to here is uh, "Nowhere, Massachusetts." It was winter time. I was watching the bushel rockets at girl. Um, and this is this is this is a pop song, yeah. Um, that just it's got a little bit of twang to it. Yeah, it's a nice like sort of easy ballady kind of like I don't know, just like a kind of a love song kind of kind of jam. And this album also doesn't have a lot of lyrics on it, right? 
Uh, definitely more than the first one, I would say. Like, I yeah. think about half of these. I think more than half have, have lyrics. Oh, okay. Matt's the only person who's listened to all of Black Perry's music on this podcast. Uh, that's cr- that's definitely correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're our concierge, Matt. You're telling us this is who this band is. Right. So, the, yeah, I mean, so this whole album is kind of a step in that direction. And actually, so kind of an interesting thing about this album is they did add drums to it. Like, the first album doesn't have any percussion for the most part. Um, I mean, certainly no drums. They added a drummer for this album, um, and it's John Moen. John Moen of the Decemberists is the drummer. But there's an interview with Chris Funk where he talks about, where he's talking about making this album, and he refers to, you know, the three of us from the Decemberists that made this album. So either at that point, John (laughs) Moen wasn't the drummer, or he doesn't consider either himself... Jenny, Nate, or John, a member. Remember, of there the was band. a time. There was one time where Nate wasn't a member of the band. That's true. So maybe, so maybe like, like Nate is fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, to, to Chris, Chris has Funk. never like let him live that down. It's like <laughs> no. Oh, cool. The Decemberists are touring with Nate Query this year. <laughs> yeah, all of us loyal members of the band <laughs> who never who never weren't part of it. This is like Colin has stuff he does when they're not making Decemberist music. They just needed something to do, right? right. That's what this is, right? Again, I think this is during the hiatus. It's I, like, well, I'm he's writing sure books. and it's, Yeah, he's yeah. doing stuff. And also they have, they want an outlet. And they're not songwriters in the Decemberists, right? Like, Colin writes pretty much all the music. Right. I mean, they, like, contribute. But, like, Black Prairie is more of a collective of songwriters than the Decemberists are. But if you guys were wondering, I don't think there is actually a nowhere Massachusetts. Okay, good. I was wondering that. I didn't do the research because I wanted to be surprised. When but, I Google nowhere ma- M.A., Mm-hmm. What comes up is Nowhere Man by the, the Beatles. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is just a nice little song with some banjo and dobro and stuff in it. Not a lot to say about it. It's pleasant. This is actually, this is actually a holiday song. Because they're talking about New Year's. Oh, there you go. January, New Year's, I'm watching the Northern Lights. It was wintertime. January, New Year's. So like this is... Where we're so still on the holiday a- spirit, old Lang Syne, and then you have this. Yeah, nowhere exactly. Yeah, those are the two. Those are. What do you guys think of old Lang Syne? Um, it's fine. Yeah. I have no strong opinions of it. I like it when Harry met Sally. Yeah, great. Were you were you hoping I, for something? Were you hoping like for something in, uh, controversial, or were you? Were they you sing a- it in uh, in It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas. They do. Yeah. Here's here's a here's. A bit of a revelation. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. Are you freaking It's on kidding? Amazon in both black and white and color at this moment. So Matt, it is... I have to say, I've, I grew up watching it every year, and I cry every time I watch that movie. I've, I've seen, seen that movie so many times. Like, I've seen, I've seen the parts where there's a, there's a swimming pool. I have to say, it's really not a Christmas movie. It just happens to take place on Christmas. The fact that it's Christmas doesn't fucking matter to Because Jesus movie. isn't in it. It's not a Christmas movie. Is that kind of exactly. like, it's kind of like a diehard type of movie. Exactly. Yeah. Like, apparently it was not originally marketed as a Christmas movie. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's about ghosts, right? Isn't he a ghost or something? No, it's a sci-fi movie with alternate timelines. Oh, okay. Uh, he's not a ghost. Sort of Christmas carolish, really. It is Christmas Carol. By the way, I, I was thinking, I started watching Muppet Christmas Carol the, a couple days ago, and I had it on in the background. It was too sad of a movie to have on in the background, because, like, Christmas Carol is not, like, the Muppets try and, like, gussy it up and make it kind of goofy, but you can't take the depressingness out of Christmas Carol. No, it's sad. 
Um, and it's really a movie about how rich people need ghosts to make them feel empathy for the poor. The Michael like it's Caine's about, in that, right? It, yeah. He is, yeah. yeah. Play Scrooge. Yeah. And isn't, isn't Kermit the Frog in that as well? Yeah, Kermit's in it. I think they, they brought got him Kermit. back after a long hiatus yeah. from the Muppets movies <laughs> to be in there. Gonzo plays Charles Dickens. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's good casting. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, the next track we're going to talk about, <laughs> <laughs> also from A Tear in the Eye is a Wound in the Heart. This one is written by Jenny Connolly, and it's called Dirty River Stomp. It's an instrumental, uh, instrumental piece, which is, it's kind of, it's fun because it showcases like, uh, you know, Americana, which is, you know, always been the band's kind of stock and trade, but also kind of like European folk music. Like, uh, I think at some point. Eastern uh, Europe. Right. Or like a a Jewish klezmer band. They've described the band, uh, Chris and and Jenny, I think have have both kind of described the band as, as doing like gypsy folk or like gypsy rock at, at some point. Uh, although you're not, we we decided early on in this podcast we're not allowed to say gypsy anymore. So Romani, Romani folk, right? That's the yeah, that's don't, the, don't that's use the, the G term. word. So sorry to all of our gypsy uh, listeners. Oh, you you say <laughs> that again? Sorry, that'd be like we can't say slurs. <laughs> so sorry to all the <laughs> say it, please, please say it. Mormons <laughs> listening. <laughs> Oh, uh, we, we went after them too hard last time. They're gonna see. I didn't say what you thought I was gonna say that because you would not have bleeped that out. You would I, just there's no way. He would have just ruined out. you. Cut it out of the episode. Sent it as a voice memo to everyone on my contact list. But like, think of the uh, think of the publicity you would have gotten on this podcast. The next next the, live show, would know, they have to <laughs> learn about like, the podcast so it could be canceled. <laughs> I would be like, there's this podcast. Yeah. So can we even be mad if no one would have heard this otherwise? Right. If someone says a slur and no one listens to them, did they actually say it? That's that's how we get that's how we get like this that's how we get big numbers. This is how we get serial numbers. <laughs> anyway, start. to me this this song kind of sounds kind of like a klezmer band. Yeah. That's fun. And it's got John Moen on it, so it's nice. It's a nice showcasing the blending of the sort of instrumental Americana from the first album, but it also has percussion and stuff. So, so it's like some hand claps, yeah, and some stomps. I, I, I mean, I it assume you guys, I, I assume you guys feel the same way, but I think this was my favorite of all the tracks on this playlist. I don't know if you're being sarcastic, but I really like this. One. It, I, why would I be sarcastic? <laughs> it's hard. To, I think you're it, inscrutable. <laughs> You're inscrutable, Mason. I can't understand what's happening with your face. I also, Mason, was wondering: Did Matt include this so we see the band's range? Yeah, or is it because there's he definitely thinks this is one of the best in there. Yeah, yeah, because this is the Romani, the Romani folk. They're Eastern European sound. Yeah. Anyway, so that's this song. It's good, despite what Mason's sarcastically implying. Matt is just showing us that this band has range. Yeah, I'm just kind of hoping that 84 is next. I don't remember, but I'm not going to get to one that to that I'm really going to praise. <laughs> There's one that I, I if you don't like this next one, I don't know what's wrong with you. The next track we're going to talk about, also from "A Tear in the Eye Is a Wound in the Heart," 
It's called Richard Manuel. Yeah, this one's good. Richard Manuel, uh, or Manuel, uh, was the keyboard player from uh, the band The Band. Yeah, we did not know that. No, I didn't either. (laughs) I do like the band, though, but no, I don't know a lot of their members. Yeah. But that that is, I mean, that's classic. That's good stuff. Yeah, so I don't know if you you listen to the lyrics too much. I, I did. Yeah, I'm listening to it right now. Actually, this is a yeah. good song. I would just—I yeah. forgot about this one. So the thing about Richard Manuel is he—he he killed himself uh, by by hanging himself with his belt in a hotel room, and that's—that is what this song is about, like explicitly. Hmm. I mean, like there's lyrics like, you know, you're swinging, 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 just like me. Like because he hung himself, he was literally swinging, and it talks about his belt. Like it talks about bring me my belt, and talks about the band. Um, wow, this is a sad. It sounded dark. a lot it's more super upbeat dark. to me than yeah. that. But yeah. yeah, no, it's super dark. Like and yeah, really you sort explicit. of ruined it for me now. But uh, yeah, yeah. So it was take, pleasant take though. Yeah, no, it sounds like kind of sweet, but no, it's really dark and like really kind of graphic. Like they talk about his hands going slack and like how the belt is like soft around his neck, or his neck is soft on the belt. Man, it, like it's super dark, but I that's, love the song. That's it's haunting. Up. It is a good song. Speaking of haunting, uh, bringing it back to Christmas. Finally, there's that one Christmas song where it talks about uh, telling ghost stories of Christmases long, long ago. Does anyone actually tell ghost stories on Christmas? Uh, I, th- I think Doctor Who has a couple of Christmas scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. You guys know what I'm talking about. No, I'm, most wonderful yeah. time of the year, oh, that's or whatever. What it is. Yeah, right? most wonderful time. I'm of the curious year. if that was a legitimate pastime of Christmas. Yeah, does anyone actually tell ghost stories on Christmas? Maybe it's know. about Christmas Carol. Pete, I don't know if you know about this, but like people, people can put whatever they want in songs. Like, there's no like, there's no like, uh, like. You mean they don't uh, all have to be true? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you know this. There's a song called "Home on the Range" where they talk about deer, the deer and the antelope, antelope playing, playing because antelope don't live in the. And the American, the range. You're coming in really soft right now, Matt. Sorry. <coughs> I hope the I hope the microphone's picking up this gold because it's all <laughs> it's all good stuff. This might need to be uh, a two-parter. Good, yeah, good, good thing you've got those three <laughs> recordings of this gold. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this album uh, seems very different from the one that came before it. Right. It's a it's a it's a transition. Uh, and then after this album, that's when they did the two soundtrack things, the the Storm in the Barn and then the soundtrack to the book. Uh, and we're not talking about either of those because they're just mostly instrumental and not not like they're not bad. They sound a lot like the first album. But they're not. I got to say some of their, their songs from here on out, when they start adding vocals and drums and it gets a little more poppy, it reminds me a little bit of like Nickel Creek. Okay. Uh, or at that. least that that sort of like, you know, not mainstream country, but sort of like, I don't know what you would call that kind of scene, like Americana, I guess. But yeah, we keep throwing that word around. I don't think any of us are really. That just know. means acoustic. It it encompasses <laughs> everything. You're good with you're yeah. safe it with just, that it word. Means, it means yeah. what you want it to mean, <laughs> right? So uh, 
We got one more album. Yeah, one more album. This is their last album that they've ever put out, and it's called Fortune. Up came, to now. Up to now. Maybe they're working on more stuff. came out in 2014. And uh, I think, like, one thing that they, they talked about in the press when they, were, when they were working on this album is that they, they did sort of, like, have some, like, Zeppelin influences on this. Like, they got, got kind of, like, old-school medley hmm. influences on this. I don't hear that. I mean, there's one track that kind of has it, but I think that's maybe just what they were listening to when they recorded it, and they kind of went in with, like, feeling that vibe when they were making these songs. I guess there's, like, some bluesy stuff, and some early Zeppelin has a little bit of that bluesy element. Yeah, I don't know. But I think this is by far their most, like, traditional, most mainstream, most approachable album. This is almost it, a rock album. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a rock album with an accordion in it yeah uh, and the first track we're going to talk about is the 84 Which I, I enjoy. Yeah, this is a good song. I think it's the first track on the album. And uh, I think it's, it's about a road trip that Annalisa went on with her husband, I believe, driving from Atlanta to Portland. I would say I generally get road trip vibes from the songs on this album. Yeah, it's a good driving album. I can say I owned this. I had a physical copy of this. and it, I, it was, I, don't, I didn't even know this. I didn't even, wasn't even aware of this album when it came out. Yeah, I don't know why, but this was a big one for me. I really like this album. By the way, Interstate 84 goes between Oregon and Utah, if anyone was wondering. Okay. Interesting. So, there's also an Interstate 84 from Pennsylvania to Massachusetts, but I got to imagine this is the Oregon-Utah one. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I really yeah. like this song. This is, this is the best song on the playlist by far, as far as I'm I like, concerned. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Is John doing backing vocals? Probably. I mean, I think if you watch... Another thing is, when I was trying to find... Uh, I like to watch live performances of... You know, whenever we're doing a, a band, I like to watch some of their live performances to get a feel of them live. And there's just not a ton of them uh, from this era. I think like they were kind of like they were sort of darlings uh, and and sort of like you know they were like on Tiny Desk concert for their previous album. But it just didn't seem like this album got a lot of love. This is definitely an NPR kind of band. Well, I think the weird thing is it, because it became a little bit more traditional, like pop rock kind of you know like it, it, it doesn't sound that weird right it's just like an acoustic rock band with like right an accordion in it. so it's not as they're not as like gimmicky i guess so it didn't seem like they got as much attention on this album not quite as weird right like this this go. song seems very indie pop yeah i mean not even mm-hmm. that much yeah. country influence in this one right it's just a good pretty good album um yeah so i like the 84 it's a good track yeah, it's good. What do we got next? Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Let It Out. Which I suppose is the single from this album, if there is a single on this album. Is it? I mean, they made a music video for it, so I'm assuming they, they intended it to be 
a single. This is another upbeat one. Yeah, and it's pretty, like, the drums, I mean, it says rock, rock and roll band drums. Like, this just, they're front and center. This isn't, this is just a rock song. Yeah, this is, this is reminiscent, like, this, so this is 2014. This kind of sounds like the indie rock of the late 2000s to me. Sure. I could hear some of your Nickel Creek influences in this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, I, the things that stick out to me on this on this track in particular, I mean, Jenny's, Jenny's accordion, like, I like this this sound of her accordion when she's doing more, like, sort of, I, I call it zydeco-y, but I don't, I mean, I'm sure that's not what it is, but, like, Whatever whatever tone she's using on her accordion, like it's like fun, like high notes and a lot of like runs and stuff. It just it reminds less me of like music. of the like Decemberist sort of like sea shanty folk kind of less less drone accordion. Less yeah. drone and more just like I don't know, a cool keyboard keyboard sound. You're really mumbling, Matt. Well, I mean, part of it's just that my energy. I don't know if it's, wow! So you're just saying so it right high. now. You're not. He's not yeah. feeling it right now. He's like. He's like. Can this be fucking over yet? <laughs> like, See, damn it! We have another track after this. Even uh, the music video. Of this is really good. Is it? I mean, it's kind of funny in a sort of, you know, I don't know, home homemade kind of way. But it's a good video. It's like it's so. The premise of the video is Jenny and Annalisa are running a taxidermy shop, and they murder and stuff every member of the band. Really? Yeah, it's fun. It's that fun. is fun. Yeah, it's it's in a fun way. <laughs> that's that's cute. Yeah, I, I it's funny. Jenny is hilarious. I think she's a she. She's she plays in a, a good murderer. She's got a, her own Portlandia sketch. Yeah, like she is funny. Yeah, yeah. She she uh, at at one point, <laughs> uh, I think it's she like ethers somebody and knocks them out. It's very funny. God, Matt. <laughs> Wake the fuck up. Like, drink a cup of coffee, Matt. I mean, like, come on. As far as recommendations, I've written down John Denver Christmas song and uh, this music video. Did you write down the Alan yeah. Jackson one? Yeah, Alan uh, Jackson. I, Put I, that I just started list. to. I just have an AL, and I thought, no, I don't think so. Um, what songs is Alan Jackson known for back in the 90s? You know, wasn't he one of those like '90s pop song, pop like pop country? Yeah, uh, I don't he think was very that, mainstream. That Ch- Chattahoochee. There yeah. you go. There you go. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, is it? Yeah, it I, is a good a one. Very popular at the time. I, <laughs> yeah, I went to so many weddings that had that song played. That's a that. wedding song. Oh yeah. I mean, not at the wedding, at the party. <laughs> like Brian yeah, walking down the, the aisle. first dance. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's hey, the guys, What's the weirdest? The nine eleven song. You could bring it back around to nine eleven. There's a nine eleven. Wait, did Alan Jackson do a nine eleven song? Had, where were you when the world stopped turning? That was his nine oh. eleven song. Wow. It was a little more subtle than Toby Keith's, but in there in the same realm. <laughs> uh, we have one more song to talk about, people. Uh, title track from Black Perry's Fortune is Fortune. This is the this is the if you're gonna make an argument that I have some sort of like metal or like sludge metal kind of vibe to it, I think this is your strongest argument. It's at least blues rock. Yeah. I mean, it's it's metal in the same way that like parts of Hazards of Love are metal. 
it's got a riff. Yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah, this is a good track. It's uh, it's Chris Funk letting loose a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the thing is, the longer Black Prairie goes, the more Decemberisty they sound. You know, like they're they, this does sound like it would be on Hazards, right? Yeah. Oh man, can you imagine like a, a tour where Black Prairie opens for Decemberists and Annalisa sings the parts for Hazards, Ugh. and the band does to play at the whole night except Colin. <laughs> <laughs> He's just sitting in the back, pulling it, <laughs> just taking it. <laughs> I'm glad they came back around. Yeah, you're gonna cut both now of you them. Actually, to. just keep the second one. In that. Just keep the second one. Yeah, no you could con- just reference the the callback. No context. No context. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> this might be our dumbest episode yet. Uh, uh, you're going to cut all this. <laughs> this is going to be like a 15-minute episode. This is what people need for Christmas. It's going to be a hard, <laughs> a hard Christmas for a lot of people, but this is going to bring a lot of joy. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, Black Prairie, uh, I enjoyed this playlist. I... In general, like, so see, my thing with Black Prairie is that, like, it's ignore, it's more ignorable than the Decemberists. Right. Like, it's music that I could just, like, leave on while I'm, like, driving or running errands or whatever. And, like, it doesn't require a lot of attention. It sounds nice. Um, and it's probably not going to stick with me after I listen to it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, well, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you're not the only person that has an opinion about Blackberry. Wait, is there is that the Pitchwork so, review their stuff? There is a a single Pitchwork review. So in a another another altered version of does Pitchwork still like the Decemberists? Uh, this is this is the Blackberry version. Uh, they did review the first uh, Blackberry album, but not the other ones. No, just the first one. Weirdly enough, uh, but it was reviewed. By famous Decemberist Grump, Stephen Dusner. Wow. The reviewer of like the first like five Decemberist albums on Pitchfork. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember this part, Mason, uh, of the show. Is where, I do. Is where, uh, yeah. Where Pete has to guess what uh, review that they, they gave right. this album. I, I think he gave this a 9.8. <laughs> I think if this was album of the year in 2008. Yeah. Uh, it did not make best new music. If you're wondering. okay, so uh, mm. let's say let's get real here. Let's say he gave it a six two. Six two. Mason, would you like to hazard a guess just for just for fun? I'm just gonna go straight up seven. Seven. <clears throat> well, you're both wrong as usual. Uh, Steven Dusner gave it a five point four. Didn't much care. For it. He didn't much care for the album. Do you think it was boring? Uh, well, here's the trademark sass. The, the trademark Dusner sass. Okay. They may have some intriguing ideas about what constitutes Americana, but this album seems both overthought and underdeveloped. The product of living rooms rather than real prairies. That's that's a good line, though. I, I don't know. He's, came on af- he's coming after I don't know what it means. I'm exactly. sure that Dusner is like a real country boy. Yeah. Like he, knows? he knows the prairies. If anything, if we ever have a guest like a, a guest of note on this episode, not it that, needs to be Stephen Dusner. Not that Mason, you're not a <laughs> no. It's okay. <laughs> a very I take that for all it's meant. 
Uh, yeah, if we can get Dusner, it'd be a huge. Get, if we get Dusner on the pod, that'd be a huge get. Uh, like the all the Dusner heads would be listening. <laughs> if, oh, if we could, if we could get the Dusner bump, and just yeah, like, that Dusner bump. I mean, we uh, could be the next cereal. That's how we do it. We yeah. start with the slurs. If that doesn't work, get the <laughs> yeah, dudes. We, we tried being provocative. We tried, right? Uh, so that's it, like, guys. We did it. So Black Prairie, listen to it. If here's the thing, you wouldn't recommend this to fans of the Decemberists. No, I, I mean, yeah. If you're a Decemberist completist, you can skip Black Prairie. But if you like good music, right? This is like if you're really into sort of like bluegrassy. Americana pop rock. Give them a shot. Yeah. Like if you like the Ava Brothers and and Nickel Creek and yeah. um what other bands fit into this wheelhouse? Uh Trampled Maybe like by some turtles. early what? Trampled by Turtles. Sure. Oh, there you go. A lot of instrumental there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but yeah. I, I, don't I know. really liked uh, that you, you recommended Fortune to me first. That's the only one I've listened full through. A couple times. It's a and I, I really enjoyed album. that. Yeah. 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 They're like you, a band that would be on uh, Chris Thiele's Prairie Home Companion show. They, yeah. I'm pretty sure they have been. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's Black Prairie. But, Mason, thank you so much for joining us. Mason. For this. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have been invited to this one. This was the <laughs> one. I think of uh, all of the ones that needed your particular <laughs> brand of, of yeah. charm, was this. This is what. I mean, you pulled us through. I think well, if, it really got it me in the Christmas spirit having you on this episode. Unlistenable uh, if you weren't here. We did have the tree there. At some point, yeah. it's gone now. But uh. oh, there it is. <laughs> what is that? Is that a snow globe? It's a it's a tree that has uh, sparkles in it and a LED that changes color. Is that your only Christmas decorations in your apartment? No, I have uh, I have some Christmas lights up. I didn't put the full tree up because the cats would just destroy it. And, I have a tree. Uh, and a cat and a dog. Yeah, well, maybe your animals are better behaved than mine. They're not. <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah, so Merry, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, and happy holidays. Michael, except for Michael Buble, who doesn't really believe in our <laughs> Lord and Savior, or at least right. want to celebrate him on his birthday. So. Right. Mason, how did you know that? Did you, like, do the <laughs> math on that? Or are you just guessing? Mason's just such a huge Michael Buble yeah, fan. Honestly, at one point, I think I just... I, I don't know, but... I want to believe I just noticed it based on the amount I listened to Michael Buble during the holidays. But I, I also think I probably heard that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's canon at this point I that Michael Buble hates uh, Jesus. I hope not to discover that I'm wrong. Yeah. He's a secular Christmas enthusiast. Well, at this point, he'd have to start dipping into the Christian songs to put another album out, I would think. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh, tune in next next uh, year uh, when we start our Michael Bublé cast. <laughs> uh, this was the sort of sort of a backdoor pilot for our Michael Bublé cast, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which will be starting next year. Uh, it's your turn to do the sign off, Matt. And until next time, uh, he's gonna look at the track list right <laughs> yeah, now. Gotta look it up, gotta look it up. Probably something. Probably something about hanging yourself with a belt in the hotel room. That's the joke. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Insert joke here. That's the punchline. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)